Hey team, welcome back to the show. Today it is Coach Andrea and myself. And today we're just talking through how close do you need to stick to your diet for fat loss. So basically setting realistic expectations for getting lean. Um, how flexible can you truly be with your diet based on your current goals? So we're going to work through like a couple of things to consider, a couple of different dietary approaches we use. So be it like with yourself or with a client. Um, so if you're a coach, coaching others like a couple different approaches you can use again how we can kind of meet in the middle and kind of merge these different aspects be it like a meal plan flexible dieting etc because i really think that this is one thing just this expectation that most people get wrong and it kills their results so to dig into why this is important why discuss this in the first place again this is just one of the biggest things that kills people's progress it's very rare that it's like so many more people it's very rare that it's actually an inability to make progress that like forces someone to or causes someone to stop like a fat loss phase for example causes them to like stop their fitness journey is more often than not their progress not meeting expectations right so you could be making incredible progress relative to what you've been able to do for the last five to 10 years. But what I found is with so many people is just, even if it's like 10% less progress in your expectation, you're still disappointed. Right? So again, like I know we've seen that with clients in the past, right? Where it's like, Hey, maybe your measurements are changing like crazy. You've built so much muscle. Um, you're clearly getting leaner. You're fitting your clothes differently. We're seeing big changes in your progress picture, but maybe this person's expectation was, I want to lose 20 pounds and I'm only on 10 pounds. Right. And it's like, Hey, like the physique changes we're seeing, they look like more than 20 pounds. But again, if those expectations aren't in place or aren't in place, then oftentimes the person will still be frustrated. And again, that sometimes will cause someone to quit on their journey when if better, more realistic expectations are in place, then, um, that wouldn't, again, like we wouldn't run into that issue. So <clears throat> I think as coaches, it's something we can always focus on improving as well. I also um, think on the flip side, just to jump in here for a sec, that sometimes it's sort of the the expectation of what they have to do forever too. So like you can get in your head, there's, there's kind of like two sides oh yeah. of the same coin. Like you can get in your head, oh my gosh, I have to be this strict forever to maintain this. Like that's not worth it. Or on the flip side, like... <laughs> trying to take that maintenance lifestyle and work the the fat loss phase into that. So it's kind of like two sides of the the same coin where it's like, if, if we just had reasonable expectations set up for each of these, it would be a lot less daunting and you would get done with the fat loss phase quite a bit more efficiently too. No, that's such a good way to put it. Right. And this is again, like most specific to this conversation around how much dietary flexibility you can have. As you said, most people kind of overestimate how flexible they can be in fat loss while still seeing reasonable progress. But on the flip side, they underestimate how flexible they can be in other phases, thinking they have to always feel like they're super restricted, right? Whereas like, oh shit, well, like dieting is hard and it is inherently restrictive and challenging, but it's so easy for people to think, well, this is how my life has to look forever. And it's again, like, this is by far the most restrictive phrase. We have so much more flexibility outside of this. And right. And that's part of the beauty of like this basic approach we use with all of our clients. We spend the least time in fat loss out of any of the phases. We should be spending the least time in fat loss out of any of the phases. And outside of those, like we want you to have a life. We want you to have a lot more flexibility and be able to enjoy things outside of just like, am I hitting my macros? Of course, that's an important part of the equation, but 
Um, there's so much more room for flexibility in those other phases. So really, again, the goal of the podcast is to kind of give you a realistic expectation of the level of results you can expect based on how flexible you are. And also, again, we're going to be focusing this primarily on fat loss phases, but we'll briefly touch on like the other phases and what those can look like as well. But again, since most people are inter- most interested in fat loss, I want to start there. Do you have anything else to add before we get into it? No, let's do it. Perfect. Okay. So when we're getting into, again, how close do I need to stick to my diet? Again, it'll really depend on the phases. Fat loss phases, we typically need to do the most dialed in. Maintenance phases, phases, we have a lot more flexibility. Building phases also can have a lot of flexibility, but they are sometimes a little bit too easy to get too loose with. We need to be dialed in on other variables like your nutrient timing and things of that nature, but we'll dig into that a little bit more at the end of the podcast. But again, since most people are typically most interested in fat loss, and I think this is where like this expectations not meeting um, reality, I think that this is where this comes up the most. So I really want to focus most of the the podcast on fat loss. So first, let's talk through just a couple different ways we can approach fat loss. So on one end, and this is really specific to our team, like the most common approaches we would use were one end, we would have flexible dieting. So for us, we're almost always tracking macros when we're flexible dieting, but we're probably not too married to, hey, we have this specific meal plan. It's, hey, we want to hit our macros. And of course, we're still auditing things like clients' food quality and things of that nature. Um, but again, I think a lot of times, like the interpretation of this for a client can be off. And for someone who's, again, like not working with a coach, especially a lot of times flexible dieting turns into basically just if it fits your macros. Um, so the pros of this is, we can't really make most anything work. So it's much easier for the clients to work in things like restaurant meals, things that come up on the fly. Um, if you're traveling, it's so easy to like, it's easier to make things like that work because again, it's like, Hey, can we make it work on our macros? Can we try to get as many quality foods as we can get into our protein needs? Um, and then it typically feels much less rigid, right? Um, this is one thing I have seen with like meal plans where even when we educate, like, Hey, it's okay. If we get flexible for time to time. It's oftentimes easy for clients to see that as well. I didn't hit the foods perfectly, so I failed, right? Whereas like I'll look through their food logs and it's like, hey, no, like we still did a great job. Like, yes, this was a meal that wasn't like on your meal plan, but you still made it work with your calories, your macros. Like this is perfectly fine. So that's like uh, oftentimes I think that like the, the part of the beauty of like a more flexible approach is people are less prone to see it like that. They understand like there is room for a decent amount of flexibility, Now, the cons on the flip side are kind of the same as the pros, right? So it's easy for people to get into this anything works mindset to where they get way too flexible, um, introduce lots of random foods, introduce lots of restaurant meals that have lots of room for tracking error. So it's super easy to underestimate our calories we're consuming. Um, They forget to track the foods that they eat. So again, like a lot of times on a fat loss phase, just those two things, like the massive room for underestimation. If we're eating a lot of foods that we're not cooking and preparing ourselves, where oftentimes those foods will have more calories than we think they do. Um, and just forgetting to track foods when you're eating so many different foods day to day. And like, if you, especially if you're just plugging everything in at the end of the day, um, it is just so much easier for us to just not do that. Well, the part, part of the reality of like a fat loss phase, if you're tracking macros, it can also be more time consuming. You're spending a lot of time playing macro Tetris. Um, if you don't have like any structure to like what those days actually look like. And again, like there is kind of a hybrid of these two, but 
in a fat loss phase, especially unless you're like tracking things as you eat them, it very rarely works out. Most people don't want to take the time to just like, Hey, for every meal, I'm going to like stop track this food. And so that's again, like we need some elements of a meal plan for that to be successful. Um, people usually lean towards less nutrient dense and more processed foods in situations like this. Um, so it's again, pretty rare that like someone who is just tracking macros without more structure has like a, okay, well, we're still doing a good job getting in plenty of fruits and vegetables and things of that nature. Um, and again, there's a lot of things we can do within coaching to mitigate this, but I'm more so now speaking to just like what people generally perceive as flexible dieting. Um, so as a result of that, they're less likely to nail their micronutrient needs, which can lead to things like, uh, we're not supporting your thyroid as well as we need to, or sex hormone production is suffering. Um, and also there will typically just be a lot, let a lot more hunger, um, in a situation like this, because again, those highly processed foods, your body will be able to digest quicker. They won't be nearly as high in volume or oftentimes fiber. So as a result, you'll really struggle to manage hunger in the fat loss phase, typically. Um, less predictable as far as how you'll feel in your training, how your digestion will be if we're not consistently eating very similar foods or like eating the same foods before we're going into a training sessions, right? If there's a lot of variability there, we can't predict how those things will be. Um, and again, oftentimes can just predict any real prevent any real change from happening. And here's more so talking about behavior change again. And again, this isn't specific to coaching, but rather how people oftentimes perceive like flexible dieting, or if it fits your macros, many people will just, when you just give someone macros, many people will just try to squeeze the same lifestyle, the same food selection into this new set of macros. When what most people need is like, Hey, we need actual behavior change, right? We don't just need to eat like slightly smaller quantities of what you're currently eating to make this sustainable. We actually need to change the, your food selection, your behaviors, things of that nature. So like it typically provides less structure and a less of a framework to implement those things. Anything else for, from you to add on the flexible dieting side of things before we get into meal plans? Yeah. I like to frame this as like, if you're looking at it at like a science experiment, we want to have all but one variable controlled, right? In a science experiment. Whereas if you've got everything moving all the time, then you don't know if what you changed with in this case would be a reduction of calories is actually what led to the, the out, different outcome. So if you have different foods every day, first, like with packaged food specifically, there's going to be a variance in labeling. So they can be like up to 20% off. And I honestly think that those things that a lot of people who are really into flexible dieting or IFYM use like the high protein bread, high protein, nut butter, like all of those different foods. I honestly think those are probably pushing the limits on how I'm that 20%. I know with one of the nut butters, there was like a huge scandal. One of like really that's marketed towards like the IIFYM crowd. There was like a huge scandal where it had way more calories than they were listing, but I'm sorry, go on. Oh, for sure. Way, yeah, way more calories than what's on the label because they want it to look like it is lower. So anyway, that kind of stuff, like there's just so many variables that it's like, okay, your digestion you, was trying to deal with 40 grams of fiber this day and 15 grams of fiber the next day. And so your weight is all over the place. And even if that's not doing anything with your fat loss result, it's messing with your mind because you're seeing the scale jump all over the place. And just that in and of itself can be difficult on the um, motivation side of things. Whereas if you have 
pretty consistent foods day to day, even if you're switching in and out, like different veggies, different fruits, different types of grains, like rice versus oats or something like that, then we're seeing a pretty, pretty controlled variable. And we can know like, okay, this um, calorie amount actually is leading to fat loss, or we need to pull a little bit more aggressively to see some change over time. Um, So that's one of the biggest things with like the IAFYM style um, to me is just like, it's sort of defeating mentally (laughs) when you don't know like what's leading to the outcome that you're getting. Um, And, and, you know, besides that, all the things that you touched on with like restaurant meals being higher calorie than what they report most of the time, um, having to spend so much more time in your food app, which just also on the mental side of things is like, if I'm having to spend this much time in my, my fitness pal log every day, this isn't sustainable for me. It's like, no, it's really not. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's get a little bit more consistent. And most of the time it's just going to be copy and paste. And then you can change a couple little things day to day. Um, I, there's, there's another thing I want to touch on, but I want to wait until after we talk through the meal plans part of this. Cause I think it kind of goes into that too. Okay. Let's get into the meal plans then. So I define a meal plan. Again, it will typically just be like, hey, eat this food. Typically, it'll be in close to this amount. Um, Here's what our meals look like. Sometimes it'll be like, hey, here's options for food swaps. Sometimes not. So the pros of this are going to essentially be the cons of the the flexible dieting, right? You're going to have a lot more consistent appetite regulation. Um, Typically, we'll have a lot better this really like one thing I really like about meal plans is they help us ensure, especially when someone is eating relatively low calories, they help us ensure that said person is really able to nail their micronutrient needs on a consistent basis, right? We don't have to worry about like, Hey, is this person getting all the zinc or the B vitamins or whatever that they need? We can make sure that the meal plan really does a good job of supporting that. Um, also it'll typically be much easier for that person to regulate hunger because we know they'll consistently be eating whole foods, um, and we can like really skew that towards more satiating options. Like we're going to have more oranges, more potatoes and things of that nature. Performance and digestion are also going to be much more predictable again, due to just eating similar foods. It will be less time consuming and less mental effort. So that's again, like, I think that people often look at tracking macros as like freedom and well, I don't know people. I, I guess it depends on the person. But I think a lot of times people think of like a meal plan being much more restrictive, I've talked to a lot of clients about this actually. And I've had a couple of people switch over from like, we were initially doing flexible dieting and then going to meal plans. And like initially it's like, Oh, I just hate the thought of like being that restricted and like working through like, okay, here's how we can implement some flexibility. But I think most, for most people actually having to track, like stop and track every single meal or spend like a huge amount of time, like playing macro Tetris is actually much more restrictive than just like a meal plan where it does, it does require is a lot less time consuming. It does require very min- little mid- middle effort, right? Because it's just, hey, here's what to eat. Just eat it, right? If we have all our food prepped. You literally don't have to think about it. It's past, I eat the same things as I ate yesterday. And it's as simple as that. Like, especially for very busy people, that in itself is oftentimes a huge relief. Um, a lot less room for measurement error. Um, similar to what we talked about before, it just removes a lot of the restaurant meals, forgetting foods, things of that nature. I will also say quicker fat loss. Now, this isn't because there's anything magic about meal plans. I made a post about this a while back and had a dude was arguing with me like, 
I think he thought my intention behind that was saying like meal plans in themselves, like when calories and macros are matched are somehow superior to like tracking macros for fat loss when that's not the case, but it just, again, removes all these things like forgetting foods, measurement error, um, underestimating foods that does lead to slower fat loss. So I will say like 10 out of 10 times when someone follows a meal plan closely, they make quicker progress than flexible dieting and fat loss. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then again, it somewhat forces that change we talked about before, where it really shows people what improved food selection on any given set of macros could look like. And really, again, like, I think that like this framework gives people such a more clear, tangible versus like, if someone just gives macros, which again, we don't do that either. Like, that's not good coaching. Like just here's your macros, but someone who wears like, okay, these are just my macros. They're just going to go to like, what's familiar and try to hit their macros with the foods they've already eaten. Whereas it gives them much more tangible and clear. Okay. Like here's a framework of what your day could look like. So I think it helps people actually implement that behavior change much easier. Uh, the cons less flexibility when random meals, travel, et cetera, pop up. Um, and although this isn't something we do, some people, again, like will interpret this as <clears throat> what if I'm just going to be stuck with this one meal plan for the rest of my life? Like I can't do that when of course, like, no, we don't expect you to do that. And that's not realistically how we'd approach it. But I think just like that mindset <clears throat> can be a challenge for some people to overcome. Um, so anything else to add there, coach Andrea? Yeah, I think that meal plans get a bad have had a bad reputation because for, um, a while it was more like, here's your meal plan for this 12 week diet, follow this. And then it's like, good luck after that. And so you don't have any education behind not even like the, yeah, exactly. Not even the macros listed out for that meal plan. Um, and then afterwards it's like, what do I do? Cause I can't follow this forever. Um, but using a meal plan to get people started when, there are a lot of um, things in their diet that could be improved, like peri-workout nutrition, protein spacing and timing, those kind of things. A meal plan is really helpful at the start to get you off to a good start with a good framework. And then from there, we introduce flexibility like, okay, I'm getting a little sick of chicken um, for this lunch meal. Can I sub in something else? And it's like, yeah, here are some great options to um, sub in with that meal. What sounds best to you? Let's make sure that it still hits the same amount of protein, still matches calories, and then you're good to sub that in and out. Um, A way that works for a lot of people where maybe they like, I like having a meal plan and I, for my fat loss phase, mostly just ate the same thing for the entire thing. But because the trade-off of that with not having to think about food is hundred percent worth it to me for other people that like to have a little bit more variety, but still want to have the um, pros of the meal plan coming up with a meal plan on Sunday or Saturday when ahead of your meal prep time uh, for that week. And then just reassessing that each week, I think is a really good way of going. So like you look at your macros, you put into your food app, um, some meals that you want that week and make sure that you're adjusting the things to hit your numbers. And then you just repeat those for the week. Then next week you reassess and change out any meals that you want something different. So you're still getting variety pretty often, but you're not changing things every day or every couple of days to where there's just way too much, way too many variables that could impact your fat loss. Um, is, and I think that how often you're switching things up can 
um, depend on the different phase that you're in too, which I know we're going to talk about. But for fat loss, like I said, I just repeated the same things most of the time because unless I got to a point, like I ate some chicken, that was a weird consistency one time. And I was like, okay, I can't do that anymore. I'm going to switch to ground turkey. So like there was a little bit of variety, but for the most part, just repeating the same things was really helpful. But then once I transitioned back to the maintenance phase, now I am repeating things for a couple of weeks at least. And then I might switch up my lunches or I might switch up my dinner. Um, but keeping like probably two or three out of the five meals, always the same, um, just because I like those. And that's another thing is like, you can come up with meals that you really like, you can season them, you can use sauces. It doesn't have to be plain chicken, like plain unseasoned rice. (laughs) Like it, it can be an interesting meal that you flavor to your taste. Um, and so that makes it a lot more sustainable because yeah, I wouldn't want to repeat a meal every day that I hate either, but if you come up with things that fit your numbers and fit that in, then that's, that's something that becomes a lot easier to repeat day to day. Absolutely. No, I, and I think that's a great summary of kind of like how you can even use different aspects of both of what we talked about there. So, and it may be relevant to what you just discussed, but if you have anything else to add, can you kind of talk us through? So for example, like. We have flexible dieting and meal plans. Again, they're not, they can be things that work in conjunction. And we oftentimes do use the two together. So can you talk us through like for a client starting in a fat loss phase, how like over the first few months might you merge these two things together? Does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. So at the beginning, I will most of the time share a meal plan um, and I'll look, I'll be looking through food blogs and if possible, I am going to use similar foods to what they like. So I'm not going to make it completely different or especially like if someone says, I don't eat (laughs) red meat or something like that, I'm definitely not putting that sort of thing in there. Um, So I'll make it similar to their foods if possible. Now, sometimes there are just a lot of things to improve and we're going to get a lot better result by doing that. And so um, there might be some changes there and that's definitely just a conversation to be had, but um, we'll get started that way for the primer phase, which is usually the first couple of weeks, as long as everything looks good. And then once they're through that primer phase, a lot of times just organically without me saying like, okay, now it's time to add variety. They'll be saying like, is it okay if I switch out this chicken or, Hey, we have a meal coming up that we're eating out. How do I handle this? Um, so at that point, depending on how experienced the client is with tracking macros, Um, If they are pretty experienced with it, then I'll say, hey, we've had this framework for a couple of weeks. Everything has been going really well so far. Everything looks great. Um, You are more than welcome to start subbing out some different meals in here. And then I'll give them examples and talk through what that might look like. If someone is um, brand new to tracking macros, which is not, um, I would say, super common within our clients, we mostly work with people who have had quite a bit of experience with it. Um, then I will talk them through how to make those changes. So in the meal plan, we'll look at, okay, these are the protein sources and here are some other good options that would be good subs. So like for chicken breast, you wouldn't necessarily want to sub salmon and I'll talk through the reasoning for that and things like that. Um, and then as we go along, most of the time it becomes, okay, you've been doing this for a while. Let's hit your calories and your protein. And beyond that, like those food options are just up to you. But at that point, they've been 
using proper peri-workout nutrition where those meals are higher protein, higher carbohydrate, lower fat, and the later meals are higher in fiber and um, maybe a little bit more. And so now they're building off of that framework that they've already seen working for them up to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like kind of look at it like a skeleton where I think that um, it's like a full body at the start and then it kind of decays away to just a skeleton over time. <laughs> but uh, again, where it's like over time at the start, very, very similarly, of course, like starting people out with it typically will be like, hey, let's just follow this plan we have laid out here as closely as we can. Right. And over time, we introduce like, hey, here's more and more options as far as food swaps go. And the reality is for most people who, again, who stay lean and healthy year round, there is a, probably most of our foods are like, we're probably biasing most of our proteins towards relatively lean protein sources, right? Um, And probably more like meats and dairies and eggs and egg whites and like maybe like some whey protein isolate and things of that nature. Um, And for our carbs, again, we're probably not exclusively, but probably biasing more things like, again, like, uh, like rice and potatoes and fruits. Um, and those are again, like going to be in oats and you, the cream of rice when we're like pushing things up higher. But again, like those things are going to be like the basic framework for like a nutrient density perspective, but also an appetite regulation perspective. Um, and then uh, people like after some time in the framework, again, as we added more flexibility, people are very good at, again, kind of keeping that basic structure. Okay. So let's get into then setting realistic realistic expectations in the fat loss phase. As far as again to answer this question, how close do you truly need to stick to your diet to see fat loss? So, I really like a quote for Nat- from Natalie here when it comes to fat loss. As far as the goal of fat loss isn't balance, the goal is to lose fat. Well, you don't need to slash calories to aggressively make yourself miserable. Trying to have it all in a fat loss phase is a great way to go nowhere fast. And I would just really say this is probably the most common mistake people make that kills their progress. Um, again, just kind of this idea that like, hey, I can't have it all in a fat loss phase. Again, as we said, one of the biggest mistakes that kills most people's progress is overestimating how flexible you can be in a fat loss phase. So specifically, this often looks like um, maybe we're working in too many restaurant meals that are hard to track. Now, understand that you can go to a restaurant and there are typically going to be a couple of good options that we can get where there won't be huge room for error. Um, but that's really like going with those options is really like an issue that's holding people back. It's more so, again, like options that are extremely hard for us to know how many calories are truly here. Um, consuming a lot of alcohol, which in itself, there are calories, but also it's oftentimes reduces inhibition. Um, it is extremely common that clients who have, I would say, more than like a couple drinks in a sitting do struggle with fat loss, not because again, alcohol in itself kills fat loss, but because it does um, oftentimes lead to like, oh, well, I forgot about this and I forgot about this, or I was a little tipsy and I like ate more or whatever it may be. And then all the cons that we mentioned above about before about flexible dieting. Um, but really this is how most people approach dieting. Um, again, they're in this place where it's like, I want to see progress. Um, and maybe it even looks like I'm hitting my macros on paper, but again, due to like all the flexibility that I'm adding in, all these meals that I'm eating where it's like, I really don't actually have any idea how many calories are in this. It always feels like I'm dieting. I want the result, but I'm not actually seeing any progress. Right. And then on the same token, we're probably also in a place where we're not extremely well fueled. So it's harder for us to add muscle. So again, it's hard to lose fat, hard to 
build muscle. So it's kind of just a frustrating place to be in, in general. Now there are different degrees of flexibility based on your goals, but regardless, it's important to understand that the fat loss phase is inherently unsustainable, right? Like literally if you dieted for too long, you would die. If you were dieting successfully, you were losing body fat continuously. We would hit a point where you would literally just die, right? That's why people that hop on stage feel so terrible because if we kept it going for too much longer, they would be getting pretty close to that point. And it's inherently restrictive of calories, right? So trying to avoid those two facts and have it all, ironically, usually results in people dieting so much longer. Um, so really most people are better off just buckling down at least to a degree and getting the diet done with sooner embracing like, Hey, this isn't the time to necessarily try to live my best life. Um, but I have also found that most people who avoid that, like, okay, I'm just going to, who try to avoid that. I'm just going to buckle down. Um, and again, and continue to try out at all. They just never get to where they want to be in the fallowest phase. So again, it's important to understand, like there are different degrees here, but there's still going to be some inherent element of challenge and restriction before we get into the different degrees, anything else you want to add? I think talking through, um, maintenance here in a minute is going to be really helpful in understanding that too, because you're right. Like so many people just try and be in fat loss all the time because whenever they do go to maintenance, it's like the reins are off because they've been restricting for so long. And then all of a sudden they're gaining fat back and they're like, okay, if I'm not restricting my food actively, then I'm just gaining weight. And so it's sort of like either that yo-yo um, sort of gain and loss cycle over and over again, which is has its own big issues, like beyond just the mental being restricted or swinging hard in the other direction, you're losing muscle mass, you're reducing your basal metabolic rate, you're putting your health in a less advantageous position too. Um, but if you never feel like you can enjoy more food, then of course you're going to be having a difficult time buckling down in fat loss. It's like, well, if this is going to be all year long, then of course, like I'm going to enjoy this cake at the birthday party because like I, it's my chance to, to enjoy a little bit of food. Whereas if you know that, okay, I'm going to really buckle down for three months and then spend the entire rest of the year being able to enjoy that food, then it's a lot easier to stay adherent. That's where, again, I really think the understanding of the different phases of nutrition is so valuable for people where like, it's, Hey, this is a season. And if someone had, again, like, Hey, we have a lot of body fat to lose, or we're just learning the skills that initial like fat loss season might be longer. But once we're in a good place, like that fat loss season should by far be the shortest season of your year. Um, okay, so let's get into again just different degrees of flexibility. So, really, the leaner you are and the quicker you want to see progress, the more dialed in you will have to be. So, start this off like again, I think there's kind of three different levels we can look at this with like clients as far as whether one you achieve. So, first, we have kind of a lifestyle cut or someone who's trying to get lifestyle lean. So, again, this is a person who probably doesn't want to get shredded, but just like a, Hey, I want to get lifestyle lean. Like maybe I want to see like the blurry outline of my abs. Um, but I want it to be something that's easy for me to sustain. I want it to be like very realistic. Again, I'm not trying to get like crazy ripped or anything of the sort here. We might be pushing to get there quicker, but we're also typically aiming for a little bit slower rate of loss, I would say. So that might be something like, Hey, maybe we're just aiming to lose about a pound per week or um, about 0.5% of your body weight per week, something of the sort. Or again, it might be like, hey, maybe we are pushing for a little bit quicker rate of loss. 
but we're just going to be stopping the diet a little bit sooner, right? Um, now, within this, biofeedback might suffer a bit, but it shouldn't take a massive hit. Now, the thing to understand is even for this, this still does take being more dialed in than most expect. But realistically, now I'm speaking in generalities here. The reality is everyone is different. There are outliers in either direction. There are some people where I will say for most everyone, no matter what the goal is, the reality fallacy is that it almost feels like you have to be unfairly dialed in to see any given amount of progress. I think that's like almost universally a truth. There are some people who are outliers. I've worked with like two people I can think of like that, where it's like, you should not be able to be, get away with this and keep seeing this level of progress. Because out of the hundreds of other clients I've seen, I've worked with, I would say I've probably worked with like, I don't know, like 600 or 700 people at this point. And I can think of two people that are like that and the other like 698 who wish <laughs> they were, but aren't. Um, so it's important to understand that like, no matter what, even here, it, it does take being more dialed in than most people expect. But I would say realistically, like for this person, I think a realistic set of expectations and I'm interested to see if you think that's the same, but it probably would be like, hey, they still follow a meal structure like 70 to 80% of the week. So that might not be a meal plan per se, but they're still going to have like 70 to 80% of the week. They're still going to have a pretty consistent like, hey, these are typically my protein sources, my carb sources for breakfast and lunch, right? Um, they're still going to have like a pretty easily repeatable structure they follow for most of the week. Um, because again, even when the goal is lifestyle lean, and when we're like in this least aggressive form of fat loss, those people who constantly play play macro Tetris, they still don't see any progress, right? The people who are eating like tons of meals out per week. And again, I want to get into like some exceptions there, but typically don't see a lot of progress as well. Um, now, these individuals, they might have something like one or two meals out per week that aren't easy to track. Um, where we know there will be a little bit more room for error. Now, if eating more than this, which does happen, um, eating more meals out per week than this does happen, they have to be options that are easy to track. So what I mean by this is like, when we go to a restaurant and there are a lot of different options that we can choose from, right? So, um, for example, if you go to a restaurant and you order like the lasagna, or like uh, just something where it's like we can't easily identify and call out all the ingredients on our plate. It is basically a crapshoot as far as what the calories are going to be, right? So you go, you go, you order lasagna, you look up lasagna in my fitness pal. Okay, so you have options here ranged in between 300 calories for a piece of lasagna and probably like 1200 calories. What are you going to go with? How do you know which of those is accurate for where you're at? Right? 300. <laughs> 300 is always the safest bet. Um <clears throat> on the flip side. So that's like, that's what I mean when I'm saying like things that are harder to estimate track accurately. Now, I don't want anyone to take this as a, uh, because some people do have to like travel a lot for work. So I think of like my client Tanner, um, where he is someone who for his work, <clears throat> he was constantly traveling. He was constant. He got shredded. He crushed it. But, um, there were a ton of restaurant meals out. So what we did is we worked through like we work through, okay, man, for the area you're going to be in, what are the restaurants you think y'all will frequent? So for them, it was like Texas Roadhouse, Cracker Barrel. Uh, those were the main two that stick out in my mind. So we worked through like, hey, here's the options we're going to go with, right? Like here's three protein options. Here's three side options. We're going to go with the, one of these, right? And there it was like, again, so we have like 
a steak and we can request like, Hey, this isn't cooked any butter or oil. So we know like, okay, it literally says it's an eight ounce sirloin steak. And then we have the green beans. And again, we can request the same thing there, or we can add, like, we can assume there's some oil there, right? Those are options where yes, those are easy to track accurately. There's still a little bit more room for error, which we'll get into in a moment, but we can definitely still make it work. But I'm more referring to like, those are the options that will typically feel less indulgent. So really, I think the best way to frame this is they probably have no more than one to two meals out per week that don't feel that feel indulgent. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say from like a go on. No, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and I think that going also to those sort of like rush, I want to, I started to say like mom and pop restaurants, but places like the one, the restaurants around here seem to be like so creative with their food. And it's like, yeah. there's a hundred different ingredients on your plate. Like those are the kind of things where it's just going to be very hard to fit those in, in a fat loss phase successfully, um, on more than a, just a rare occasion. Absolutely. And that's, again, like, that's the biggest point where there's probably no more than one to two meals. I would say even two might be pushing it in this situation that like fall into that. Definitely for females would be pushing it. Oh yeah. And that's similarly, like there is still like, if you're someone who has to travel for work and like eat a lot of meals out, it's not a dozens, but again, it's just that you're going to have to lean towards those much easier options to go with. Um, then from there, maybe this person plays a little bit more macro Tetris. So something like four to six meals per week, but they still hit their food targets. I'll say in my experience, anyone missing their targets more than one to two days per week. So basically they can missing their macro targets more than one to two days per week, or on those days going quite a bit over their targets, they're just not going to make progress. Even when the goal is a lifestyle cut, they're just not going to make progress. Um, so like a great example of this, like just to talk through like someone who's in a situation like this and how we've been approaching it. Um, I think of my client, Cassie just started about a month ago. She's been doing incredible. So Cassie, she is a mom. She is also a newer coach herself. So for her, again, she wants to get lean, but also she has kids. She wants like some, plenty of lifestyle flexibility. Uh, she wants a little, like her meals out with her husband, like their date night once per week are reported. So how we've set that up for her is um, six days a week, we have her following a meal plan for breakfast, lunch, and a snack. And then for dinner, we've saved somewhat, we've saved a decent amount of her calorie day intake for dinner. For dinner, it's just, hey, make this somewhere between, uh, I believe the number is 400 and 600 calories and eat at least 25 grams of protein with this meal, but make it whatever you want, right? So for most of the day, she has a usually repeatable structure. Then she has the flexibility with dinners. And then we have one refeed day per week, which for her typically falls on Saturday, where it's, hey, like, hey, for the most part, if you want to follow the meal plan earlier in the day, that's great. But if you want to just focus on your calories and protein this day, and again, like you and your husband going to your date night, just plan that meal ahead, make it work. Um, and that's how we operate on that Saturday. That's how we've approached it with her. Um, and I think that's a good, she's been losing right about a pound a week. Um, there's again, like sometimes there will be like a, a couple meals out. There's like, of course, a little bit of macro Tetris, but it provides a good amount of flexibility but there's still plenty of structure there. Um, anything, any other examples or thoughts for you to add before we get into the next? Um, I, I would say I have a lot of clients that kind of fit into this category. A couple that, 
Well, I have, I have a couple different Sarah's and they both actually are very good examples of this where um, initially we did not use a meal plan and they just do a very good job of fitting things into their macros um, and hit those targets. And maybe a couple times per week, we'll switch things up a little bit. So it's not necessarily a meal plan, but they're eating pretty consistently um, most days. And then if they're going out to eat, we'll talk through just let's hit protein and calories versus all three of your macros and things like that. And I've been able to get pretty lean, um, doing that. And then, um, for one of the Sarah's <laughs> at the point that she decided to get even to a leaner position, then, um, just sort of like that lifestyle lean, that's where we did switch over to more of a meal plan approach. So that was a kind of example of doing both through the same fat loss phase, actually. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So next up we have getting ripped. Um, so <laughs> here, basically think of this as someone pushing to right at the edge of what is sustainable as far as their leanness goes. So here we're typically aiming for a quicker rate of loss. So be that like we're pushing close to, so, I mean, you could also just think of this as maybe we're not getting ripped, but we're just pushing for a quicker rate of fat loss, right? So before we said like lifestyle lean, or maybe we're pushing for about 0.5% of your body weight loss per week. Here, maybe we're pushing to get ripped or maybe we're pushing for closer to 1% of your body weight loss per week. Um, so here, and again, a lot of this is this is based on how lean you're getting, but here we might see biofeedback suffer a little bit more as your calorie intake will be lower. Hunger might be higher. Training performance might drop a bit. <clears throat> um, but again, the thing to remember is the leaner you want to be and or the quicker you want to lose, the more dialed in you'll have to be. So typically for an individual like this, they would be following a meal structure at least 80 to 90% of the week. I would say no more than one restaurant meal out per week that's hard to track accurately. And even in this case, for this person, they're typically going to have to overestimate that, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm guessing that this is 500 calories. Uh, I'm going to add another 100, 150 calories on top of that just to make sure that I have covered any room for error. Um, now, again, like, in this situation, they can you can make more restaurant meals out if needed work, but you have to go with extremely simple options, right? So like the like mustard salad example that I talk about all the time is like a great example of that, right? Where it might have to just be more plain basic options or like the option that I talked about with Tanner. Um, and for this individual, I would say it's very rare that there's more than one day where they didn't hit their food targets. If they're seeing progress, there's probably not going to be more than one day a week where they didn't hit their targets. And even then, it's still like we're pretty close, right? Like maybe there was a day where we were 100, 200 calories over, but there's never big deviations. Um, and that's again, just none of this is to like make it like we all wish it was easier too, but it's just again about setting realistic expectations for what we see it typically takes. Um, I again think like my client Tanner here is actually a great example of that. So Tanner is someone who um, we actually didn't have him track macros, he just followed a meal plan. But he just nailed it, right? Where it was, he was always on the road. We created a structure for like when you're traveling, hey, here's an easy structure to follow. Um, that was very simple. We laid out, okay, when you go to the restaurants, these are exactly what you might follow. And there was probably like once a week where it was like, hey, I had a couple of beers on top of this, right? Or maybe I like deviated a bit in this one meal from what we had laid out. But the rest of the time, he just nailed it. And he got absolutely ripped. But again, it does just take us being more dialed in to achieve that. Anything else to add on that on that one? Uh, no, let's talk about photo shoots. All right. So getting photo shoot lean. So here, again, we're pushing below what's sustainable. Typically, we will typically have to gain some body fat back just for health after this. 
Now, rate of loss won't be that quick once you get close to photo shoot lean, but you do have to be very dialed in to see more fat loss. Again, the leaner we're pushing to get, the more dialed in we have to be to continue to see fat loss. Food selection will also have to be very on point to keep hunger manageable, meet your micronutrient needs with low calories, and maintain training performance. And biofeedback will typically suffer a little bit more. This is oftentimes just an inevitable part of it that we need to accept, right? Hunger is going to be a little bit higher. We might be a little bit more fatigued. Now, for these people, they're probably basically following a meal plan. If it's not something we have in place, they probably created one for themselves, 90 to 95% of the week. This realistically, this person isn't eating any restaurant meals that are hard to track accurately. Again, there might be like one to two again, like, but that's again, the situation where like my, my photo shoot prep, it was like, when we go out, it would be like that mustard salad, right? Like better greens, grilled chicken without any butter or oil. And I'm going to use mustard and like some apple cider vinegar as the dressing. And this person hits their macro targets every single day. Um, again, and keeping in mind here, like the goal here isn't sustainable. We're literally pushing below something that is a realistic level of leanness. And again, I think like, like our discussions around like our own photo shoot preps, I think of someone like our intention wasn't to uh, get her ready for a photo shoot, but like my client, Heather is someone who comes to mind right now where well, we've been working together like eight weeks, Heather's been crushing it, where she has just absolutely nailed her meal plan. Like she's traveling. She like brings all her food along with her. She got an egg cooker so she could cook it in her hotel. Now we're just seeing her change very, very quickly. Like we're not close to photo shoot lean yet, but she is getting pretty repped and we could definitely do it if she wanted to. But again, that's kind of, I think what it takes to get to that point. Anything to add there before we get into the last bit of this? Um, yeah, it may, I think my client, Melissa is a good um, example of this because as she was starting to get ready for her own photo shoot, um, she used a meal plan, whereas she had just sort of done the I would say more flexible dieting than IIFYM before because food quality was good, but that was something that she had never done before following a meal plan and found that way easier <laughs> um, mentally to just be able to put things on repeat and um, get leaner than she had in the past. Um, and then uh, my client, Caroline, who she never did a photo shoot, but she got sh really shredded. She sort of just did this on um, her own where we had macro targets, but she sort of set up a meal plan for herself where she was eating very similar things day to day with just a little bit of variation at dinner time, and then would still nail her, her targets for the day and got really, really lean doing it that way. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are both great examples of it. And again, it's not like you might not actually be doing a photo shoot, but also like, if you want to see the quickest possible progress, this is how we're going to have to approach it. So most important thing to understand here is over time, we may move a client through each of these levels. As you said before, like we don't always have to be in just one of these phases. Someone might start at, I just want to get lifestyle lean. And then we might move to like the photo shoot eventually, right? Or we might go do that in the reverse. Maybe someone decides, I want to slow this down, right? I'm okay with not pushing quite as hard. And I got to remember that the other phases do allow for a lot more flexibility, right? When we're at maintenance, when we're reverse dieting, when we're in a building phase, we have a lot more total calories coming in every day in maintenance phases and building phases. I often recommend clients follow like an easily repeatable structure to their meals, maybe five to six days per week. And Hey, maybe this weekend, maybe like one to two days per week, you are just going to focus on calories and protein instead of hitting your overall, your overall macros. And 
I want you to just play a little bit more macro Tetris, right? Like we still have to have a basic structure to make this work, but I know like we've given you the tools to do so, you know how to make this work. I want you to have more flexibility here. I want you to enjoy like your life outside of this. We're oftentimes as well introducing free meals, right? So basically untracked meals where again, like, hey, just keep it reasonable. Here's some basic guidelines. Don't worry about tracking this meal. Go out, enjoy like an entree and like a few glasses of wine and a dessert or whatever it may be, right? And again, don't just worry about tracking it. And that we're just gonna like make this work as part of a plan. And again, like, that's such an important aspect of it because I think when you hear us talk about these things, it's so easy to think like, this is how I have to manage my life all the time. And that sounds terrible. Now there's something fun about pushing. It is fun to push yourself, right? And grow and see these changes. But also, I don't think any of us want to live our lives like that long term. So this is also important to hear that when we talk about this, there are these other there are these other phases where we can be so much more flexible. And those should be the majority of your year, not fat loss. But by taking this approach to fat loss, rather than spending your entire life in fat loss phases due to like, in like trying to have it all in fat loss, we can just get that done with and move on to these other phases where you can both like be much closer to the physique you want and enjoy a lot more flexibility. So before we wrap this up, anything else to add, Andrea? I don't think so. I hope this was helpful for um, people to listen to and and see like where they want to fall within that spectrum and and know the expectation like that is what the expectation is for the outcome of that or vice versa like what they really want and then what that requires um to get there absolutely yeah and if we need to reset expectations based on what you're willing to do then this absolutely allows us to do so okay perfect well i think this was a great summary um that is all we have for y'all for today as always if you want to apply to work with us just click the link in the show notes and we will catch you guys next time